2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Inside, inside Access with Jason and Locke on Fora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson
3: University Online. Your master's and bachelor's goals haven't changed and neither has Stevenson University's online commitment to you. Visit online.stevenson.edu.
1: 1057 The Fan.
4: Orioles lose today 7-2. They get the split in St. Petersburg. Let's talk some Orioles now as we head out to the Ashley Furniture guest hotline. Jacob Calvin Meyer covers the O's for the Baltimore Sun. He joins us now. And, Jacob, thanks as always for joining us. I want to start with you where we left last segment, and that's Jorge Mateo, who now for going on two months has has been an ineffective hitter, and today – uh, during the broadcast, Jim Palmer chastised him for not being in the right place on a, uh, to cut off a, a tag throw and allow the other runner to advance. I was shocked, frankly, that he was in the lineup today after the ineffective at-bats last night. It, it, are we nearing a situation, though, where you can't just Sharpie him in the lineup?
5: Yeah, hey, guys, thanks for having me on. It It is getting tough. Listen, he's he's going to be a player who's going to go through slumps, and for the first couple weeks of May, You know, that was okay after how hot he started. But we're now going on more than six weeks. I think I saw a stat earlier that he has as many hits since May 1st as Austin Hayes has since June 6th. Um, You know, (laughs) I did see that. Yeah, so, you know, when it comes to – he can bring value in so many ways, but I, I can't remember too many instances. He's only stolen a couple bases in the past six weeks because he really hasn't been on base you know, the defense is there for the most part, but it also hasn't been as good as it was last season. And when you, when you compound that with the fact that you've got some young guys like Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg and others in the minors that, that can come up, I think we're getting to a point that that could happen. But at the same time, you know, would it surprise me if, if, you know, at some point Mateo starts hitting again, and he's not going to look like the guy he was in April, but if he can you know, have a good week or two, you know, his OPS will probably, you know, be back in the low 700s if he has a good week or two. And I think most people would say that they'd accept, you know, that level of production, but it has been a tough, uh, pretty long stretch for him.
3: And Adam Frazier kind of in the midst of another tough stretch too, but even on the season, Jacob, 671 OPS. He's played in 71 of the 73 games that's tied for the most on the team Uh, any concern there with Frazier moving forward?
5: I don't know if concern is the word. I I think, you know, listen, he was one of the guys in uh, in addition to, to Kyle Gibson that they were coming off of down seasons last year that they were hoping for bounce backs. So far, Kyle Gibson has obviously provided that Um, Adam Frazier for the most part. Hasn't Um, he's been a little bit better than he was last season if you look at his expected stats, I know we talk about those a lot with Ryan Mountcastle, who's now on the injured list, but Adam Frazier's expected stats are better than what his actual stats are. He is lining out quite a bit. Uh, Brandon Hyde's mentioned that the past couple of days. I think today he got pretty unlucky. He had two really good balls that uh, that ended up in outs. Um, you know, he made some good defensive plays. Um, in yesterday's game, that helped out, and so he's providing some Value there, um, but you know it's it's similar to Mateo in the in the fact that um, you know when you've got these young guys you have to start questioning how much longer it's going to take. But Frazier, for the most part this season, um, you know I don't know if he's been a, a huge value to the team, but he has. Um, if you look at some of the plays he's made as a you know scoring on a wild pitch, you know walk off ground ball, you know there's been things here and there that you could point to that may not show up on the stat page that you go okay Adam Frazier has been. Uh, a solid addition to this team. I will say though, I don't know what his role is. If you do bring other guys up, Adam Frazier is not really a bench type player. Whereas Mateo, uh does kind of fill that role so that that should be something interesting to see moving forward
4: talking to Jacob Calvin Meyer it's inside access here on the fan Jacob that I'll lead you there so uh, I know there are a lot of people clamoring for Colton Couser and Jordan Westberg and and I know everybody's like well what other boxes do they need to check with these guys struggling would you see either or both up here anytime soon
5: that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know guys. I, I, I think, you know, w- with Couser, he, he doesn't have the, the westburn has been doing this for over, for basically a calendar year now. Cowser's like, still striking out a bit. I don't think he's been hitting as well since he came back from the hamstring injury. I also know that defensively, I'm not, I'm not sure if center field is a place he fits. So, um, you know, Mullins is, you know, could be back in, in, you know, a week or two or three or or whatever, however long his minor league rehab takes him. Uh, So Couser is somebody that it might be tough for for him to fit in because I think a lot of people going into the season, were saying, okay, Austin Hayes is somebody that's been dealing with injuries. He hasn't put a full season together, but now we're seeing Austin Hayes is hitting over 320 and people are clamoring for him to to be an all-star. And so it's tough to see exactly where Kowser can fit compared to Westburg where you've got both middle infielders who um, are struggling uh, it's, you know, Ramon Arias is playing well for the most part, but he's not. it's not like he's hitting uh, great either. And so when you've got Westberg, who basically has a full season of really solid uh, AAA numbers, he can play multiple positions, and some of the guys ahead of him are struggling. You know, if I had to guess, it, it might be him uh, first instead of Kowser. But, um, you know, I think everybody's waiting to see, is, okay, is Friday going to be the day? Is it going to be sometime next week? Or is it going to take until July? Or, or are they going to wait until August like they did? last year with Gunnar Henderson. Honestly, there's really just no way of knowing.
3: Felix Bautista, Yanir Cano, they've both been phenomenal all season long, but the rest of the bullpen
6: outside Coulomb.
3: of Danny Coulomb, not a lot that you can count on consistently, appearance in and appearance out. Jacob, we keep talking about starting pitching in terms of you know potential acquisitions at the trade deadline, but how much emphasis should be placed on the reliever?
5: Yeah, no, I, I think everybody does want that top-line starting pitcher, and maybe they do go after somebody at the deadline that would fill that role. But um, when you look at this bullpen, I, I think it's made Brandon Hyde's job very difficult in terms of the uh, the difference between how good Yannier Cano and Felix Bautista is are versus the rest of the bullpen. And, and that's a big reason why he's – really overworked those guys to to win a lot of these games. They've been playing a ton of close games, and and it seems like any time they're in a close game, you've you've really got to throw out Canelo and Bautista out there. Um, You know, most of the other guys in the bullpen have had good moments and bad moments. Danny Coulomb, for the most part, has been pretty solid this season um, as a lefty out of the pen who can also get right-handed hitters out. Um, But I think, you know, getting a reliever at the deadline is obviously much easier than getting a top-line starting pitcher um, I don't know what additions this team could make on the position player side of things. So it seems like getting a reliever would be much easier in that sense. And, and you know, if you can get a, a really good reliever, imagining whoever that guy is, plus Cano, plus Baltista in the seventh, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then you've got Coulomb there to face whatever lefties are in that stretch, that's a pretty potent back end of the bullpen.
4: Jacob, last thing for you, and I and I agree, Brandon Hyde's got a hard job, but I sometimes think he makes it tougher on himself. And I just want to go to the last two days. Like Kyle Braddish, I think, threw ninety two pitches. Tyler Wells was in the low nineties. Why not let them go out and pitch the sixth inning? And so you don't have to hit that bullpen early. I, I just am I crazy? Should shouldn't these guys be allowed to try to pitch the sixth inning?
5: Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's a long season. I think this week was different because you have the days off on Monday and Thursday, so you're more willing to to kind of shorten up your starting pitchers, maybe not have them go that far into the third time through the order as as you would otherwise. Um, for Kyle Bradish, he was great through four innings, and then in the fifth really struggled and had a pretty long fifth inning, but he got out of that jam, and I feel like the emotions of, of getting in a jam and then getting out of it mm-hmm. and then going back out for the sixth would have been a kind of a tough turnaround for him in a game that, you know, obviously didn't work out because they gave up, um, you know, four runs in the sixth inning. But, um, you know, when you're going up against the Rays, and, and, you know, these games aren't must-win. Obviously, you have 162 of them. But when you've got, you know, a team like the Rays who you're a couple games behind in the division on the ropes, you kind of want to go for the, um, the jugular there and get that win. And then today, today for, for Wells, you know, I think there could be an argument for him going back out for the sixth. But when you're down a couple of runs, and then you have a day off tomorrow, I don't know how much of a benefit there is. But you know, we saw it. We saw it in in Cole Irvin's first couple starts. He only threw about 70 pitches, and they're pretty reluctant to have him go a third time through the order. But you know, there's going to be a stretch coming up here soon where they're not going to have too too many off days like they have recently. Um, and I think that's when we'll see maybe some different type of bullpen decisions or some starting pitchers getting into the low 100s of the pitch counts.
4: Jacob Calvin Meyer covers the O's for the Baltimore Sun. Great stuff as always, Jacob. Thank you so much for your time.
5: Appreciate it, guys. Thanks as always.
4: Thanks. Hey, coming up next with the Hot Corner, we will hear from Brandon Hyde and Tyler Wells after today's 7-2 loss in St. Pete. That's next here on The Fan.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Inside access. Inside access to the Orioles. Brooks Cal. It's the hot corner with Jason,
4: Ken, and Tim Barberleys. Sponsored by Home Life Roofing and Remodeling.
1: 1057 the Fan. Well, we didn't play very well today, and that's, those games are gonna happen. Um, Tyler's been amazing for us all season. Just didn't have his best start. We can get much going offensively um, today off Bradley.
4: That was Brandon Hyde after the game today. A 7-2 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays. And we'll hear him talk about Tyler Wells in a minute. But uh, that's, to me, the key. The bullpen gave up a few runs, but that four-run second inning was the the game, essentially. Uh,
3: The Orioles had three hits off Bradley, Ken. I mean, Gunner, O'Hearn, and Ramon Urias. They were 0 for 2. They had two chances
4: with runners in scoring position. They just weren't getting it done offensively a night after scoring eight. Yeah, they they got two runs in the game, two solo home runs in center field, one by Orias, one by Gunner in the ninth inning when the game was over. More from Brandon Hyde. More about Tyler Wells.
1: He doesn't usually walk people and and just thought he was kind of coming off uh, out of his delivery a little bit. A lot of yanks and just didn't really have his command early in the game. Uh, but after that four run sec- uh, was the second four-run inning, um, played through well the last three innings.
4: Yeah, weird three walks today for Wells in five innings. That's not who he is. No, nah, it came into today with the lowest whip in all of baseball. The home
3: runs, that has been a season-long issue, though, Ken. Mm. He's given up 18 home runs in 15 outings. But Wells, like Brandon Hyde said, he was able to kind of find himself. And just talked about it with Jacob Calvin Meyer. I mean, at this point in the season, maybe you should have sent him back out there for the six, especially considering the fact that Gillaspie, a guy that can give you a little bit of length, he only got one out. Why wouldn't you force the issue and there we were or against, some
4: more? And we were against the clock, so I didn't want to get into it. And he's not wrong. You got day you got Diesel from both sides. So you do have you can go to your pen more, but your pen stinks, other than three guys. So why would I want to go to a Brian Baker? Austin both is hurt, or a L- Logan Gillaspie, or Sayanel Perez, Keegan Aiken. When these guys can't guy- get guys out, I trust Wells or Bradish on 90 pitches to get me three more outs. Yeah, and it was still a ball game at that point. It was a three-run game. It was 4-1 to one in the sixth inning at that point, so I'm with you. I would have sent back out Wells. More from Hyde. Uh, talks about him pitching better after the second inning. That's Wells.
1: I think that he you know, made a little bit of a mechanical adjustment. Um, got more in the strike zone, more in line. And uh, I thought his stuff improved after that inning.
4: Finished strong, struck out six. And as I said, that, that last inning was really good. 95 pitches for Wells. I, I don't know why he can't go out there and pitch the six, but that's just me. No, he, he was rolling after that
3: second inning. I believe he walked one guy and there was only another guy to reach who we ended up picking off at first base so just two more base runners after that second inning tyler wells is who he is at this Mm. point and he's having a hell of a start a hell of a first half to this season he's that bulldog look there's issues in the Orioles starting staff we talk about wanting to get a top of the line starter Tyler Wells, you feel pretty good if you have to see him go
0: out there for a postseason game.
4: Let's hear from Tyler Wells, T-Bone. Uh, he spoke after the game and he talks about his command.
0: Definitely, um, definitely was fighting a lot of uh, control issues. Uh, you know, our uh, our assistant pitching coach came out to me and told me uh, one small cue that we've been working on. And, um, you know, it actually helped me a lot, especially after that second inning. Um, You know, definitely after the second inning, I was a little tired. But, um, you know, because of that little cue, he definitely got me back on track.
4: That's interesting. The pitching coach that gives him a little bit of a cue. He's not going to tell us what it was, but made an adjustment. And that led to the better control and better pitching. Yeah, Clearly it worked. I
3: mean, three innings to follow. He only allowed two more base runners. So it's someone... When we talk about Kramer in terms of, you know, when things go south, they can technically – they can sometimes go really south. You're not really worried about that mental 4-2 to when it comes to a Tyler Wells. He doesn't seem like a guy that can really get rattled.
4: More from Tyler Wells. Remember, he committed two errors in that four-run second inning. What happened on that second error?
0: thousand percent. You know, it's – you sit there and you want to continually – try to improve on the situation that you're given and sometimes you know uh, the the way that it played out in my head was I was running to the ball I told myself not to throw it not to throw it not to throw it I see him halfway down the line I'm like oh I got him and you make a bad throw and you know sometimes it unfolds that fast and you know it was a bad mental error but you know what like I'm just going to kind of look at the positive here and understand that you know I'm going to be better next time for it and I'm going to make sure that I don't make that mistake again it's
4: interesting how you know, he's just like, I, I'm not, don't throw it, don't throw it, don't throw it. And they're like, I got him, let me go. And he throws it right down the right field line.
3: Yeah, it's a split second decision there. And you're trying to make a superhuman play against a really good ball club. But when you're compounding the issue of you gave up back to back home runs, let's try and limit the damage here. You give up a two run error to a team like the Rays at the Trop, that's going to be really hard to overcome.
4: Yeah, it, And it basically became not possible to overcome. One more. Tyler Wells, why are you giving up so many home runs? I mean,
0: I'm, I'm a high-carry fastball. Uh, you know, I pitch up in the zone a lot. Um, and, you know, I challenge guys. I don't walk a lot of guys. And obviously, you know, with the exception of today. So, um, you know, with challenging guys comes, comes home runs. And you know what? Like I said, you know prior to this most of my runs this year have been given up on homers and is that something that i would like to change absolutely but um you know i i think i got to figure out some other things uh to you know continually keep guys on their toes and um execute better pitches
4: says he don't want to walk guys who's going to challenge him so home runs are going to happen sometimes
0: he's had a really really good
3: year and for the most part like well said it's not like there's been a ton of you know multi run home runs it's been a lot of solo shots but he has given up 18 in 15 starts but sort of just feels a little baked into the cake at this point ken
4: Purple rain in the forecast next. And we asked the question. The Ravens had two first-round picks a couple years ago. That was Rashad Bateman, Odafe Owe. They're heading into year three, and that's when guys need to perform if they're going to get their fifth-year option picked up. Who was under more pressure to perform this season? Is it Rashad Bateman or Odafe Owe? We'll discuss next. Inside Access. 1057 Fan. Severe, Severe. Weather. weather alert.
1: alert. alert rainfall expected
2: Purple rain. Purple
1: rain. inside access to the castle
4: with Jason Lockonfora and Ken Wyman
6: well the first thing you want to do is teach them to understand that if you use moves you'll have success if I think of Von Miller all you guys can say he does a what spin after this year when you see Adafe, you're going to know his signature pass rush move that was Chuck
4: Smith, Ravens outside linebacker coach, talking about Adafi Owe as he enters year three. And uh, we, we have a question. Both him and Bateman are uh, entering year three. Both of them are going to try to play for team to pick up their fifth-year option, hopefully.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: An extension. Who's under the most pressure? What is enlightening about Chuck Smith talking about o is, do we have the Chuck Smith? Here's
6: Chuck Smith talking about David Ajabo. He's everything I thought he was when he was at Michigan. He's uh, confident. He's twitchy. He has a high pass rush IQ. He has mastered a lot of different moves and they, they're learning how to do it. But it's like a, all time. We're con- constantly talking every second, every minute on text, on threads, all of us. He has the pass rushers mindset. I'm just, he's got that dog mindset. He's gonna have a lot of success. I actually think, I mean, he's a lot better than I'm sure people have an idea what they think now. You know, like, oh man, he's come back from Achilles. Dude is ready. He's gonna have an impact.
4: Take that and then remember what he just said about Owe where he's like, well, he's got to learn to move and all these guys that moves. It sounds like he's like Ajabo's the more experienced player, not Owe. It's night and day. Yeah, it
3: sounds like is the guy that just had a red shirt year coming off the Achilles and Ajabo's the guy going into year three. I mean, he's practically giddy about David Ajabo, but Ajabo, he might not have even made it to the Ravens at pick 14 a year ago if he didn't suffer that Achilles injury during the pro day. And he was seen as a much more refined prospect as opposed to an Adafi Owe, where what was the biggest knock on him, Ken? Didn't have a sack the mm-hmm. final year at Penn State and was seen as more of a raw guy. But entering year three, man, to not have that move, to not you know have that go-to type thing, it's definitely disappointing. And Chuck Smith is here to hopefully... Have him find that, but we put out a poll. 2021 first-round picks, Rashad Bateman and Adafi Owe are entering pivotal year uh, third years. Both have flashed potential but have been slowed due to injuries and inconsistencies. Who faces more pressure to perform in 2023, Ravens flock? IA1057, the fan, is how you find us on Twitter. Adafi Owe, 52.8%. Rashad Bateman, 472
4: Yeah, I went Oway. Uh, I I think Bateman's issue is more about health. Like I'm bullish on Bateman. I, I made what looked now to be an outlandish prediction a year ago that he was going to have the greatest receiver year ever. And while he flashed a little signs like the game, the play against the Dolphins of a guy that can be a number one receiver, injuries held him back. Whereas Oway, to me, regressed this year. He the year before we saw some of those pivotal plays, the play against Kansas City, the strip and the recovery that won the game for the Ravens. I didn't see a whole lot of that last year. I thought Owe was going to have double-digit sacks. Me too. He finished with less sacks than he did as a
3: rookie, where he had five. He had three last year. I thought he was playing some of his better ball down the stretch. Now, I'm not ready to give up on Adafi Owe, but it's a put-up-or-shut-up year for him now, and I think he does have more pressure on him, Ken, and it's kind of twofold because If Adafi Owe doesn't take the next step and isn't able to provide more consistent pressure on the quarterback, it makes David Ajabo's life a lot harder because then uh, offensive coordinators can key in on him and double him up, and maybe you're not concerned about Adafi Owe winning one-on-one battles and what does Tyus Bowser look like, and who knows, maybe Justin Houston or someone else uh, gets brought in. But at the receiving core, with Bateman... You saw the home run hitting ability where that Jets game week one, he had the 55 yard touchdown. He had the 75 yard catch and run against the dolphins week two. He had a long play against the Patriots. You saw the big play potential. Now the drops, they're probably a a concern. That's something that needs to be monitored um, throughout next year, but he's got the yak ability and there's also a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. So, you know, conversely, defenses can't really hone in on him as much. I I think Bateman, I feel better about him, but it is health. And coming off that list, Frank, uh, surgery... That's a concern for me.
4: Oh, absolutely. But I feel like he's got time to recover from that. It happened early enough in the season. Like, I think, and seeing him out there while he didn't do team drills, he looked really good. At, like, he was moving really well in individual drills. So I'm feeling a little better about the foot. But yeah, he seems like a guy. You know, guys get labels of being injury prone for a reason. He gets hurt. Like, he had the hernia thing his rookie year, he had the foot thing last year. He has not gotten through a season yet healthy. And it's fair or
3: unfair because he lashed out on Twitter when people were putting out that injury-prone label and he said he never got hurt until he got to the NFL. And we know the strength and conditioning uh, coach situation that was with the Ravens. But he's got to prove he can stay healthy at the professional level. And both of these guys are playing to get paid. Because this is the final year, and then come next May, Eric DaCosta and the Ravens, they have a decision to make. Do they want to exercise the fifth-year option of these players? And – First two first round picks, Marquise Brown, who was traded before mm. he could exercise it. Yeah. And Queen had his decline. So the Ravens have yet to exercise yeah. a fifth year option for an Eric DaCosta first round pick.
4: He did say he was going to pick up the, uh, the uh, Hollywood option. Of course he did. Yeah. He, <laughs> which was weird, like the whole Queen thing, he, I guess he just he realizes in this case, he's that thing's gonna play out. He's probably gonna be here at the start of the year, so you can feel you're not going to say you're picking it up, whereas Hollywood—he probably in the back of his mind knew he was trading him. Just, just the way Eric seems to act, like He's trying to do the GI yeah, mind yeah, tricks. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. There's always something with with him. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I think there's not many people that love to play the game, the PR game as much as Eric does. Like Eric loves to to the, the misinformation game.
3: He's the one that admitted that the Liars' Luncheon was an apt name
4: yeah. for the uh, pre-draft press conference. He enjoys the lying. Hey, coming up next, we will get the text of the day. We'll preview tomorrow's show. Jason returns. Also, we get you ready. Is it Mike Popovic tonight? Is that I, I'm pretty sure Cordell is not on tonight. Uh, I, I think it's Popovic. We'll uh, find out together. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, somebody's on at 6, but I don't think it's, uh, it's Cordell Woodland. But it's not us. That's coming up at 6 here on the fan. <laughs> Inside access. Jason and Tim sit in the bleachers.
0: Hey, bada 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 bada.
4: Ken sits in his brother's seats behind home plate. Inside access. 1057 The Fan. We were uh, Jason Free today. He had some stuff going. I hope they got their games then. Like he, it was a crappy day, so I wonder if the uh, Sharky's All-Star game and all that stuff got rained out. I think it was supposed to happen around 5 or
3: 5.30. I don't know. I should probably text him yeah, I, and drop the ball there. But no, it sounded like it was really cool because right by the Ironbird stadiums, don't they have like mini
4: stadiums? Yes. It's like what they, Fenway yeah.
3: Park and they were playing... That'd be all. Oh, I really hope they got it in because Sharky would have had a ball with that.
4: Yeah, and if he and if they don't, he's gonna blame it on Jason. Well, as so. he should. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. That's pretty obvious. Nah. If somebody's at fault, it's it's definitely Jason. Well, as we did the six pack earlier. Yes. You know that was your number one. Uh you, well, you, that no, angers him. Yeah. Well, no. If you disagree with yes, him, it right. was yes. my number one. Yeah. Uh he gets very angry when you disagree with him. Ah. Uh, But yeah, it's a rough day for the Orioles, but they get the split in Tampa. They're seventeen games over five hundred heading into an off day, which then leads into a homestand. So all in all, even though there's things that we'd like to see different, you gotta be pretty happy.
3: Look, it's it's frustrating, you know, today, and you saw with the middle relief issues last night and with Mateo, which we've talked a lot about today. There's a lot of frustrating parts to this ball club, but deep breath. 45 and 28, tremendous record. They just split. in the toughest place to win in all of baseball right now. They're three and two against the best team in all of baseball. Orioles are having a great, great year, needless to say. And now they come home. They got a nine-game homestand that begins Friday against the Mariners. And you just hope you can continue to ride this uh, into the All-Star break. But they had a ton of off days in the month of June. Now it's not really going to be the case. They got one uh, next Thursday, but they're about to have 16 in the next 17
4: uh, days are they're going to have games. And by the way, inside access will be at Pickles on Friday, yes. start of the homestand, and and the beginning of the show could be fireworks. Yeah, fingers
3: crossed. I, I don't know if I would go as strong as Stone. Stone's saying he would still lose his mind if Cowser and Westberg aren't out by Friday. I think he'd be upset, but he wouldn't go like full meltdown like a bear halter. If one of them, I think it would get his fill a little bit, Ken. But if yeah. both if both aren't up on Friday, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be. You know, I've got something to say. And they open Stone. Let's get the text today. Check one two check. check. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: Text of the day. You know it by now. It's brought to you by Value Dry Waterproofing. Is your basement your safe haven or a thorn in your side? Water on the floor walls? Musty smell? Before you build that man cave, protect your investment with waterproofing. Get your free inspection at valuedrywaterproofing.com. Valuedrywaterproofing.com.
5: Space Tech says, I remember last year, if someone would have disrespected Mateo, Jason would have went off. That would have definitely been on last year's six-pack.
4: Oh, it made my – I I talked to T-Bone off the air. Jorge uh, Mateo slander was on my original list. It it did did, uh, just miss the cut. Remember, he wanted to extend him after April. He did mention that yesterday.
3: Yes. (laughs) About extending him as well. No, look, Jorge Mateo always was Jason's guy. Look, even if it can, still was an absolute, you know, great waiver claim by Mike uh, Mike Elias a couple years ago, and there's nothing wrong with that. But right now, he is not a guy that you can sharpie into the lineup every single day, and. If you have him as, like, a, a guy off the bench, a pinch runner, a defensive replacement, have him start it short, you know, a time a week or so, to while he's struggling immensely like this, if he finds himself, I, I don't think we're ever going to see what he did in April ever no. again. I think that was an aberration. But is he as terrible as he is right now? Probably not, but I just don't. He is not a guy you can sharpie into the lineup.
4: No, I, I, and, and not only, and I want to make this clear not only is it the fact that he's not hitting, it's the at bats are, are just awful. They, like it, they're not competitive, and you can't just keep throwing, sending him up there four times a game when he's giving you nothing. Uh, that, that's the most frustrating part. I did it with Ryan Mountcastle prior to
3: the vertigo. I, I want to see him have a day off Friday. You got the off day tomorrow. Give him a day off on Friday. He did it with Castle a couple weeks back where they had an off day and gave him off. That day. He he needs a spell right now. What do we got
4: going on tomorrow's show there, T-Bone?
3: Tomorrow's show, we got our buddy Ryan Ripken, part of our Baltimore oh. Baseball Tonight coverage. John Mioli, who's had some great pieces out for the Baltimore Banner about Grayson Rodriguez and one Jordan Westberg. Ken, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot of Westberg with John. Mm-hmm.
4: And Lucy Burge, the Burge is back. Oh, and Jason's back. Uh Jason will be back. Well, maybe we can arrange some sort of uh, uh, Oriole game for Lucy <laughs> we'll to come in up. for. We'll make it. I up. know she she turned down. She she's got her brother's half birthday. with the twenty nine, I believe. Yeah, that's the yeah. He's <laughs> that's the DJ Diesel. What wasn't that yeah, the original it was plan? Yeah, DJ Diesel night, which, which I, is coming up, isn't it? I.
5: The 30th. Thir- yeah. Are you going to that, Stone? I don't know. I might not. There's a concert up in Harrisburg I want to go to. So who's, I'm not sure. Who's if, like, in
4: concert? I'm curious.
5: Dark Entity. Very oh, small band. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Do the gods like that? Yeah. The, oh, crawling around oh. this kind of dark concert. Dark Entity? Oh, yeah. I would think yeah. so. <laughs> By the way, saw some good pictures up. of the Balone at the, an Oriole game with like a bunch of people. Yeah. Family. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You saw
3: it? Was, oh, this was with the... Uh, Burbath. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he was wearing correct. a bikini.
4: Yeah, well he was? He was. In Full the long. last picture, yeah. yeah over over Easter. top his shirt. Oh, I have to look at that again. Yeah. Now I'll have to go check that out. Mike Popovic coming up next, I think. Is that correct? Yes, I'm getting the thumbs up. Mike Popovic will take you through your evening. We'll be back tomorrow at two here on the fan.